Thrive Leadership Podcast in three, two, cue music. This is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. It's a place to connect you to nationally acclaimed leaders, their insights, and ideas on how to help you thrive in every area of your life. life. On today's episode, Chris Hodges. Every time I find myself overly tempted or even crossing some lines in my mind or in my actions, I always let myself know that it reveals really more about my relationship with God, not my self-control. Now your hosts, Brad Lominick and CJ Alvarado. Welcome back to the Thrive Leadership Podcast. Alongside CJ Alvarado, I am your co-pilot, Brad Lominick. Hey, Brad. How we doing? I'm good. It's good to be back with you. Mm. We got something for you. Do we? That should be our tagline. We We got got something something for you. I like that a lot. By the way, you're looking buff these days. Am Uh, I? I, I'm very... I'm, I'm very astute at noticing things. Okay. And I'm, I'm noticing you've noticing been- Noticing the guns, huh? You've been, uh, you've been doing some- uh, I'm trying to just stay healthy. Bench press stay. or something. What are you doing to keep healthy? I'm just keeping up with my 10-year-old, really. Yeah. Your yeah. 10-year-old, is your 10-year-old active? She's very active. Is she into the sports? Soccer, gymnastics. Truth be told, she wants to play football. Well, let her. <laughs> I'm going to. Although, yeah. concussion protocol, you know, I mean- Fortunately, it's just flag football. You know what I mean? Okay, just, so concussion. Yeah, so. yeah, there's not many concussions happening. You're getting concussion in flag football. We need to rally up the parents and talk she, to the league. Is she fast? She's fast, like lightning. Yeah, yeah. Is lightning fast? It's oh, fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's fast. I played uh, football growing up, and I remember in eighth grade we're really? playing the Cushing Tigers. Cushy? Cushing. Cushing. C U S H I N G. Cushing. Fierce. Yeah, in Oklahoma. Cushing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the Bristow Purple Pirates, which was our Woo! team. And I'm playing tight end, and we're playing Cushing and first series we line up and I look across and the defensive tackle has hair coming out of the helmet. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And then me and my, the tackle next to me, Johnny Wilson, offensive tackle. We had a play where we double teamed the defensive tackle the first play of the, of the series. It was like yeah. 48 sweep, I think was yeah. the play. <laughs> and it was a girl playing defensive tackle for the wow. Cushing Tigers. We had no idea how fierce or combative we were going to be. Yeah. And I bet we drove her 30 yards down the field as we blocked you, her. You actually went through with the play. Well, no question. Yeah, I mean, she's out there. Hey, let's go. You're a savage, Brad. We basically buried her in, you know, about 30 <laughs> yards down the field, and she's crying, and <laughs> oh, that was her man. last play. Her one play. Oh, she had one play. Yeah. My goodness. Never knew her name, never knew what happened to her, but if you're listening, whoever you were, Cushing Tiger, eighth grader, girl, defensive tackle, we're I'm sorry. sorry. I'm really so am. sorry. I really am. Speaking of someone tackling mm. ministry. Oh, golly, that's like such that? a good transition. Thank you. And having a good offensive playbook. A playbook that people seem to be studying. Everybody's showing up at the doors of Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. That's right. To learn from Chris Hodges. Chris Hodges. Who is, we're going to get to hear. We didn't sit down with them and actually right. have an interview. We thought, you know what? The talk from Thrive Conference was so good. Let's just play that. Yes. And if you don't know who Chris Hodges is, he is the founding pastor, senior pastor, lead pastor of Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, which is now one of the, not only the fastest growing churches still, but largest churches in America, period. They're running 30,000 plus on a weekly basis. You know, they probably had double that at Easter. What's interesting about Church of the Highlands is they put so much emphasis on small groups that they have more people in small groups than they do 
on a weekend attendance. And that's amazing to me because for such a long period of time, large churches were kind of synonymous with, you know, just attraction or whatever it may be. Right. Chris is really changing the tide on that, right? Yeah. yeah, their whole model is is plug people in to a small group environment. I mean, I wouldn't speak this on behalf of them, but it seems like that they would say the measurement of success, at least one of them, is that we have small groups that are really thriving right. and, that, and that people are built into community and the emphasis is on that equally, if not more than the emphasis is on the Sunday or weekend expression. Because mm. so many of us, we put emphasis on well, what's our numbers on Sunday. And that is important, but they would put equal amount, if not more on, you know, how many folks are showing up in small groups on Tuesday night or Wednesday night or, uh, and it's an open environment too for small groups. I mean, they, they allow people to sort of, Hey, if you love riding motorcycles, go create your own motorcycle small group. Right. Or if you're into swimming or if you're into golf or you know whatever your hobby is or mm -hmm. whatever your neighborhood context is you can have the the freedom and the authority to go and be an extension of church of the highlands in your local context which i think is why you've seen such growth for them but also it's empowering for people to yeah. feel like they can actually be part of what's happening compared to just showing up and consuming yeah well i know it's having an incredible impact for churches that are you know, modeling uh, the system, I guess, if you will. I know it's done uh, some pretty significant things at Bayside, which is really exciting to see. But I know that no pastor in a position like Chris accomplishes this kind of impact without facing some obstacles right. and some big, hairy obstacles, yeah. right? So yeah. in this message, he goes into that and he talks, he, he relates them to kings and battles and some other things. But I think something that pastors deal with and are always looking for. How do I stay encouraged and overcome these obstacles? So some good stuff here. Yeah. Well, let's dive in. This is Chris Hodges, senior pastor of Church of the Highlands at Thrive Conference, breaking it down and bringing the thunder. What a thrill it is to be at Thrive Conference, everybody. What a joy. And I tell you, uh, I'd be remiss not to say, first of all, thank you to my dear friend, Andrew McCourt, who I've known for a long time and for this uh, invitation. I love you, my friend. And, um, and I, I have to just honor Pastor Ray. Uh, I don't know him well. I'm getting to know him. But uh, he, is, um, he is an exceptional leader and one of the most generous people I have ever met in my entire life. And I want to get to know him better. How about it, everybody? You know, and how about we show some love to our host? Come on, everybody. You can do better. Wow. Pretty awesome. Well, again, I'm just thrilled to be here. Uh, I always like to start with something a little funny. Uh, I like to laugh, and my message is not, so I'm going to give you something at the beginning, all right? So uh, I collect, uh, I collect um, church kiosk signs. Um, <laughs> people send them to me now, and I have a great collection, and I just thought I'd share a few with you before we get into God's Word. Uh, sh show them the first one, guys. Um, prophecy class canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> so that's... Kind of crazy. Show them the next one. Uh, Honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you want to meet him right now. So uh, that's a good one. Uh, show them another one. Uh, don't let worries kill, uh, uh, kill you. Let the church help. So, uh, yeah, uh, show them the next one. Uh, best sausage supper in St. Louis. Come and eat Pastor Thomas Ressler. <laughs> Punctuation if you're going to use those, guys. All right, show them the next one. Uh, do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. So there you go, yeah. I like that one. 
right, show, show them the next one. Uh, whoever stole our AC units, keep one because it's hot where you're going. So this is a mad church sign guy. Yeah, so uh, all right, show them the next one. All right, this one actually, this is actually true. This one actually starts a church sign war two churches across the street from each other. So this is the Catholics put up this uh, on their kiosk sign, uh, all dogs go to heaven. So the Presbyterian church across the street put only humans go to heaven, read the Bible. (laughs) So the Catholics said, uh, God loves all his creations, dogs included. So the Presbyterian said, dogs don't have souls, and this is not open for debate. <laughs> so the Catholic said, Catholic dogs go to heaven, Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. <laughs> so the Presbyterian said, converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. So the Catholic said, free dog souls with conversion. (laughs) So the Presbyterian said, dogs are animals and there aren't any rocks in heaven either, to which the Catholic said, uh, all rocks go to heaven and starts all over again. So there you go. So, all right. You get some good, (laughs) some fun signs, uh, send them to me, everybody. All right. Hey, let's pray together and ask God to to uh, help us to understand his word just a little bit. And I, will, I, I, won't, I won't talk long. I know you guys have, you know, my pastor taught me the, the, the heart can only receive, but the seat can endure. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, just, I just have, I have some things on my heart. In fact, uh, Andrew asked me to share this message uh, with you tonight. So Father, I thank you for this amazing opportunity to be in front of leaders. What a joy it is, God, to be in front of leaders and pastors and those who influence their communities and and, and God, I'm just a man, and I ask you to help me um, to communicate through me. Use me as a vessel. Uh, let all the focus be on Jesus. Lord, let our lives be changed by the power of your word. We promise to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. amen. All right. Hey, a couple things that um, Andrew did not tell uh, about me that might help you enjoy this a little bit more. Uh, I'm, I'm a Cajun from South Louisiana, everybody. All right. Uh, yeah, some Cajuns over here. So let me, tell you, let me tell you what that means. That means you might not learn anything, but we're going to have a good time, all right? So um, I like to tell a lot of stories. Uh, I'm not the smartest guy you'll ever, you have ever met, but I'd like, love to share some stories with you. I'm actually going to share some of my, heart, my heartaches with you and some of the things that, I, uh, that I've learned uh, in 34 years of being in the ministry and 16 years uh, as a church planter. And I, I, hope this, I hope this helps you guys a little bit. I'm, I'm also married 31 years. Uh, everybody's bragging on their marriage. Lincoln was. So I've been married 31 years uh, this coming week. Praise God. And I have five kids. And, um, and I do realize that's a lot. Last time I was in California, a guy actually pulled me over and he says, man, five kids, you must really like kids. I said, I know I really don't. Um, I really like my wife. Praise God. So... Um, <laughs> Y'all need to bring me back for the marriage conference. But anyway, all right, so, but I want to I share with you uh, uh, just a simple message out of Joshua chapter 1. And, um, and you know this verse, but I just want to read it to us. Um, it starts out really good and awesome, just like ministry does. And then it gets, uh, gets, gets kind of challenging because God 
uh, said to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses, and your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, to the Hittite country, the great sea on the west. And I love this line, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. It would have been really good if it would have ended right there. Uh, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, but you're going to have to say these next two words out loud. You're going to need to be, yeah, you got to be really strong. So I'm, I'm going to give you a lot, but it's, it's not going to be as easy as I'm making it sound right now. Be strong and courageous because you're going to lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. And then he says it a second time for emphasis, be strong uh, and very uh, courageous. If you know anything about the story of Joshua, he did, uh, they did conquer a lot of land, obviously. Um, but they fought a lot of battles along the way. And what's interesting to me is 24 chapters of this book, but you don't even get halfway through it. You're in chapter 12, and, and Joshua makes a list of all of the kings and all the battles that he faced. In fact, at that point, chapter 12, there were 31 kings. If I were to give this, this uh, message a title, I, I probably would just call it simply 31 kings. Because he said, look, uh, God made it sound pretty cool in the front end, uh, but I had a lot of fighting to do along the way. And, um, and I think one of the best gifts that I give pastors that I train and, and the leaders that I try to encourage is not just all the ways to be successful, but, but I have to give you also the way to fight battles so that you can be successful along the way. In fact, the way I like to think of it is that success doesn't come from just what you do. Success comes from overcoming the obstacles along the way. Can I hear a good amen, somebody? And so what I want to do in this simple little message is I wanted to share with you five kings that I've faced. And they won't surprise you. They're probably kings or battles that you're currently facing. Um, but what may surprise you are, are the things that I've had to do and I'm currently trying to do to overcome them. So here's the first one. And the first king is just a king that I've been fighting since I was 13 years old. And that's the king of inferiority. Um, I have a little voice that speaks in my head, and he's kind of, it's talking right now. I hear it every time I walk on a stage. Um, <laughs> and the voice goes something like this. Uh, you're not supposed to be the one up there. Um, I, I'm from Louisiana, everybody. we 50th on every list there is. Can, you know what I'm talking about? All right. And then in the middle of that pack, so I'm in the, I'm at, we're, at the bottom, we're at the bottom of the list. And then I was kind of at the bottom of that list. I was a C student on my best day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I really, seriously, I worked, I worked really hard uh, to kind of just stay, kind of stay in the middle. And I've always really battled inferiority. I've got some smart kids. They obviously come from the, my, um, my, my wife's side of the family. My son, Michael, actually uh, made a 33 on, on the ACT. He ended up with a full ride academic scholarship to Alabama. Um, the University of Alabama. In fact, he was, he was, he was um, in the kitchen when he received his final report card from high school, and he opened, up, he opened it up, and we all just happened to be in there. And he goes, Dad, look, 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 look there. He said, uh, all, all A's again. He said, Dad, I, made a, I never made a B in my whole life. I said, that ain't nothing I never made a B in my whole life either. Just shut up. Just <laughs> get on out of here. I don't need to hear that mess. You know, so. <laughs> you know and... Um, in fact, I, I went to LSU uh, on a, uh, as, a, as an, an accounting major. Praise God, I got rescued by the ministry halfway, halfway through. Um, but, uh, but in my sophomore year, uh, part of the degree required for me to take a speech class. And I failed speech. 
at LSU. Are y'all listening to me, everybody? I didn't say Harvard. I said, L we don't even speak English down there, and I failed speech <laughs> at LSU. And I'm very serious. I, I've, um, I've actually, I still battle. I still battle. I still hear a voice in my ear, even on Sundays, um, when I talk to people, just that, hey, you're not all that. You're just not all that. Why you? Who, who are you? And uh, I don't know if you've ever battled that. Uh, I, I, I battle a lot of times when I'm around great leaders, too. Uh, we have some great communicators, great worshipers. I mean, there's, there's some exceptional people in, in the house. And sometimes I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting there waiting my turn. And I'm thinking, no, do another compassion story. Do another one, you know, and, right? Um, and, and so I, I learned something along the way, and it's something that I'm currently using. Uh, I, had, I had to use it early on in ministry that I want to pass along to you, a way I've had to face, way I've had to face this king. I found a verse that actually saved my life. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to read it to you. It says, we are not competent uh, in ourselves. Praise God for that. We are not competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter. And the letter means not what you've learned, not your skill set, not, not your degree, not, 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 not your heritage, you're not competent because of those. You're not competent of where, because of where you went to school. You're competent because of the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. Not of the letter, because of the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And I realize that God picks people. In fact, oftentimes he picks people that are the most unlikely to do the job. And he says, don't focus on you, focus on me inside of you. Come on, somebody, right? And I've learned, yeah, I've learned, I've, I've, I've had to learn to lean on the presence of God in my life, just the spirit of God in my life. In fact, I think one of the great advices that Paul's given is, he's like, I'm a pretty smart dude, but the way that all, this all works out for me is that I focus on just Jesus inside of me, the spirit of God inside of me. In fact, I'll go so far to say the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, that he allows me to do things I would have never been able to do on my own. And I'm going to tell you, God's done some amazing things through uh, our ministry. You know, I mean, our church has grown, and, and, and we've started a church planning organization, and we've, praise God, we're going to end up planting about 140 churches this year with ARC, to God be the glory for that. And, and yeah, and we're training um, several thousand churches on how to do church, and it's, it's, it's exciting to do. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I can just tell you, if you knew me as, as, as well as I know me, you'd be worshiping God right now and realize that if he can do it in me, he can do it inside of any, anybody on this planet. And I came here just to say to you, let the Spirit of God live inside of you. I mean, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know there is, I'm probably dancing on some theological lines, and I'm not going to go too deep into this. But I'm going to say, don't be afraid of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, charismania has scared some people away from the power of God operating in your life. But you need the power of God to do what God's called you to do. Amen. In fact, one of my, one of my pet peeves with, with, kind of with charismania is that, is that they've kind of made all the other Christians feel like second-class Christians. You're like, we got something you, you don't have. But the way I like to say it is being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. I need, I need it because I need it in my life because what I know in my resume is not enough for what God's called me to do. If you believe that, give God a great praise right now, everybody. It's true. It's really true. All right. 
So uh, king, king, number, king number two that I want to just share with you about, and I'm very burdened with this because I do have the privilege of, of counseling and pastoring and, and consulting a lot of pastors and churches, and a lot of guys are facing the king of temptation. In fact, I feel like there's an all-out assault on the leadership of churches. I think, in fact, you know, the Bible says if you scatter the shepherd, if you, if, you, if you attack the shepherd, you can scatter the sheep. And I believe, I believe personally that the enemy is coming against leaders, and there's an increase of temptation. And I'll just tell you from my own experience, as blessing increases, temptation increases. Uh, as weariness increases, temptation increases. In, in, increases and and all of us have had that and some of us have fought it we've entertained it too long in fact some of us have actually done it and then when you do it then you get this the the condemning voice of the devil in your ear and so your own stage and you know what your thought life has been like or maybe even what your actions have been like and the enemy comes in your ear and again attacks you and condemns you and tells you who do you think you are now, I just want to hopefully uh, just make you feel a little bit better, and that is that temptation is just something that we all face, but you got to handle it the right way because the enemy will eat your lunch. In fact, we tell this story down in South Louisiana about Boudreaux who went to uh, this, this pet store, and this talking parrot over in the corner said, hey, Boudreaux, he said, what? He said, the parrot said, you're the ugliest thing I ever saw in my entire life. Well, Boudreaux goes to the, to the pet store owner and says, man, your parrot just, your parrot just insulted me. And, you know, he just, he just, so the owner kind of pulled out a few feathers and slapped him upside the head and said, don't talk, don't talk to my, my customers that way. Boudreaux comes back about a month later and he's walking around. That parrot said, hey, Boudreaux. He said, what? He goes, you know what? <laughs> and for some of you, the devil's going, you, know, you, you lift your hands and the devil goes, oh, no, you really? You know what? You know what? Or you bring a message or something, and, and the devil gets in your ear and says, oh, you, you know what? What do you, what do, you do about that? Well, let me tell you what don't do about that. I'm, this is just this is a lot of years of, of, of serving God. I'm going to tell you what don't do about it. Don't fight the temptation. In fact, the best way to overcome temptation is not to fight the temptation. The best way to fight the temptation is to fall in love with Jesus all over again. In fact, it's so much easier, listen to me, it is so much easier to fulfill the commands of God by falling in love with God rather than trying to obey all of the commands. In fact, let me say it this way, temptation reveals more about the condition of my relationship with God, not the condition of my self-control. Really, it reveals my, my, my love relationship with Jesus because when I'm in love, the Bible says in 1 John that the commands are no longer burdensome, like I can do them now. Let me say it this way. I don't really focus on being faithful to my wife. I focus on staying in love with my wife, and then I don't even think about being unfaithful. I'm only thinking about being unfaithful when I'm not in love. Are y'all listening to me, everybody? This is huge. And I have a real deep passion to help pastors kind of just focus not, not, not on, the, on the law side of Christianity, but on the fact that we can be in love with Jesus. And when we do, all the things that he asks us to do are so much easier to do from the standpoint of love. In fact, one of the things that I try to really delineate in all of our teaching at our churches, there's really two ways to communicate almost every biblical truth. You can do it out of this tree of life where this motivation is, is, is delightful, it's, it's wonderful, you kind of want to. Or you can do it out of the knowledge of good and evil. And by the way, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is not a sin tree because it's the knowledge of good too. You can do it out of each, either one. Are you doing it trying to follow all the rules or are you doing it out of a motivation, out of love? In fact, one of the greatest revelations 
In fact, I'll go so far to say it is the greatest scriptural revelation I've ever received in my entire life. It's John 14, 15. They'll put it on the screen for us. And it simply says this, if you love me, look at this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you read that verse out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, out of the law tree, here's how you'll read it. If you love me, you'll prove to me that you love me by doing what I told you to do. So don't even tell me you love me if you're not doing what I command. That's not what the verse says. The verse says, if you love me, trust me, you'll do what I command. If you'll fall in love with me, you will automatically do the commands of God. And I'm saying, what side of the comma are you living on? Because if you live in the trying to do everything and try to fulfill everything and kind of always slap in your hand, the easier way is just to be in love with the God that we serve. Come on, somebody say amen right there. So how do I fight temptation? Every time I find myself overly tempted or even, even maybe even crossing some lines in my mind or in my actions, I always, always let myself know that it reveals really more about my relationship with God, not my self-control. Here's, here's the, are y'all getting anything out of this so far, everybody? All right, here's the third key. I'm just, jumped, I'm just giving you some kings that I have faced that I want to help you with so you can be successful in taking the land that God wants you to have. And the third is, is, is rejection. So like when we got to Birmingham and I started launching our church, we had a lot of success right off the bat. And, um, and we had some Christians who got concerned about our success. In fact, we had a cult watch group um, do a year-long investigation of us and came to the conclusion that we were, in fact, a cult. Um, that was a blessing. Um, <laughs> they wrote a 19-page report of which at least 80% of it, at least 80% was factually untrue, and the 20% that was true, they just don't understand the God we serve. They were just, I don't know, they, they were, they were kind of out there a little bit. And... Um, and I remember it was the only day in, in my entire 34 years of serving God, and the only, the only day in the 16 years of the church that we pastor in Birmingham that I actually wanted to quit. And in fact, I came a whisker from, from quitting. I mean, I was really close. Because I remember the day I told God, I'll fight the devil, but I don't know if I can fight these Christians, you know. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're meaner than the devil. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just. <laughs> and I found my heart getting messed up. Um. Here's what I know, and that is that the enemy will do anything he can to try to mess up your heart. And he'll put stuff, like we're in the people business, and he'll put, he'll put inside of all of our hearts. The enemy will put hurt and offense and rejection and wounds. And so what do you do? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's more than just forgive. Jesus comes along and says, don't just forgive them. Do good to them. Love them. Pray for them. Bless them. In fact, all these groups that were really opposing us, we decided that we take, like, I love what Pastor, Pastor Ray, every time he wants to do something, he just takes an offering and get, blesses people. I just love that. I just love that. We decided to take an offering and just bless all these ministries and just, just pour a blessing over them. And we saw that thing break in our city and actually break, more importantly, in my own heart. And this is huge because the devil will do anything he can to get you to hate people. In fact, have you ever realized, have you ever discovered the fact that in the Lord's Prayer, there's, a, there's seven elements of the Lord's Prayer, and there is an element where we forgive those who trespass against us as we are being forgiven? Lord, forgive me as I. And then the prayer ends 
The very next verse, listen to me. The very next verse in the text is a commentary on only one part of the Lord's Prayer. So you get the Lord's Prayer, and the next line is a commentary on one element, and guess which one it is? Forgiveness. Let me say it this way. The only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave an extra commentary to was the, was the element of forgiveness. He says, and when you forgive, when you forgive, if you don't forgive, I, I'm unable to work in your life like I want to. I think one of the healthiest things that a leader can do is forgive people every day. In fact, I, I try to do it proactively now. I just forgive them in advance. I literally pray this prayer every day. Lord, there are going to be people today who are going to be so mean, I'm ready for it. Bring it on, God. And in advance, I let them go in Jesus' name. I heard, I heard this from, from, uh, from uh, Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world in Seoul, South Korea. He's kind of famous for teaching the, the Lord's Prayer as a prayer outline. And I'll never forget it because he, I've only heard him speak live one time. And he was, he was teaching the seven elements of the Lord's Prayer. And when he got to forgiveness, he, he, he goes, every day I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm with you, man. I hate them too. I think we met the same ones. I mean. Hey, pastors, listen to me. Hey, dads, moms, business leaders, listen to me. Few things affect the anointing in my life more than my feelings about other people. Few things. Forgive, for, forgive, forgive it as often as you can, as quickly as you can. Just all day, every day, don't hold it in your heart. Don't hold it in your heart. How do you deal with rejection? You let it go. You bless those who curse you. You, you pray for those. I do. May the flies of a thousand camels find their armpit. No, not that prayer. <laughs> there is a verse, by the way, in Psalms where David says, Lord, break the teeth of the wicked. I like that Psalm. But anyway, but don't pray that one. Right. Just trying to help you with some battles you're going to face. Maybe you, maybe you deal with inferiority. I'm going to tell you, let the spirit be qualified because of God's spirit inside of you, not your resume. Maybe you're dealing with temptation. Fall in love with Jesus all over again. Maybe you're dealing with rejection. Be sure to keep your heart pure and clean. Just forgive all day. Bless them. Pray for them. Do good to them. And then the king of discouragement. <laughs> discouragement is where the enemy tries to take the courage out of you. I kind of felt discouragement just about, just about every time I drove home from church on a Sunday. In fact, for about eight years, guys, every drive home from church, I would think about all the things that didn't happen, not the things that did happen. We just had, an art, we just had the art conference at our church, and on the last night we had Stephen Furtick speaking, and our soundboard crashes. Like it starts making these crazy sounds. It ruined, like it ruined the whole last night. And I was, I left there. I mean, I love you sound guys. Y'all are awesome. We love y'all, but how many of you would like to give your sound man a little feedback of your own from time to time? You know what I'm saying? They just, you just, it's just. Or when you're in a marriage series and Tammy hadn't talked to me for three days. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, you know? So what do you do? What do you do for this one? Let me tell you what don't do. I'm gonna tell you what saved my life. I mean, I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to preach to you, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> I 
That was funny in my head. I'm so sorry. That was, <laughs> I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm trying to, never mind. So, so what do you do with discouragement? I'm going to tell you what I've discovered is it's very difficult to encourage yourself. And the only way I've made it out of that, through that battle successfully is having the right people around me who always lift me up. Two are better than one. One can be attacked and defeated, Ecclesiastes says, but two of you, better yet, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Listen to me. One of the best things you can do in your entire life is surround yourself with friends who look at, look at my eyes and hear this, who know what's going on inside of you. Let me say it this way, pastors. If you're the only one who knows your secrets, you're in trouble. But there's somebody has to know where you're, where, where you're struggling. Somebody has to know where, where, where you're facing difficulty. Somebody has to know what's hard for you. And as soon as you tell them, they're there to lift you up. And I'm going to tell you something. When you get the right friends around you, God will never let both of you find a place of discouragement at the same time. No, one can hold the other up and then it'll be your turn. You can come alongside of them and hold their arms up when they're going through something. You've got to have the right people around you. The way I like to say it is we is better than me. Can I get a better amen, somebody? We is better than me. And one of the best things you could do at this conference is make sure you leave here having talked with someone, prayed with someone, shared with someone, share your secrets. God gave me a great revelation about sharing our, our secrets. That if you go to God with the problems that you face, God will always take care of the fact that you did something. and He'll always cleanse your heart, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, our God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It takes care of what you did, but it does not take care of the fact that you might not ever do it again. In fact, you probably will unless, James 5, 16, that you confess your faults, not to God, Confess your faults one to another and pray for each other, and then you'll be healed. You go to God for forgiveness, but you got to go to God's people for healing. you got to have somebody in your life who knows what you're really thinking, who knows your dreams, who knows your pains, who knows what you're feeling. We is better than me. And here's the last one, and I'm going to pray for you. I just feel led to pray for those who are going through a battle right now. And The last one is the, it's just the king of, I don't know how else to say it, demonic attack. And I don't know where your theology fits with all that, but you have all of hell coming against you. I don't know if you know that or not. The Bible says that our, our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You better resist him standing firm in the faith. You better fight that fight. The best leaders I know aren't the people who are successful. They're the ones who've learned to fight these battles. Are y'all listening to me? It's huge. There's a demonic excitement against you. The devil has a plan for your life. And sometimes I think he works harder at, at fighting us than we do at resisting him. And how do you do this one? This one's huge. It may surprise you. The best tool I've ever learned for fighting a demonic attack is worship. Worship. I think it's because the devil used to lead worship in heaven. That's the one that gets him the most. I don't know. But the Bible says in Psalm 149, let the high praise of God be in your mouth, and it's like a two-edged sword in your hand. When you worship, you, don't even, you not only bring adoration and praise to God, but I'm telling you, you fight the devil. You break the devil's power off your life in Jesus' name. So my parents moved to Birmingham with us 16 years ago. My dad was legislative auditor for the state of Louisiana. And he, um, 
He's a genius financially. And our church, if it does anything well, it has done money extremely well. And that's my dad's thumbprint. And so dad and mom, mom was the secretary to the chancellor at the LSU Law School. She, she, they both came and just served our church in a volunteer capacity. And they just were, it was, I can't tell you how huge it was uh, in those early years. Um, our church grew to, you know, tens of thousands of people and, and everything was going great. And all of a sudden this big old knot shows up on the side of my dad's head like the size of a golf ball on the side, right here on this temple. And uh, my sister, who is my personal assistant, Carol, uh, took dad to the doctor and they did a biopsy on it. And um, in fact, I, I, I found out, cause I had pulled in from a lunch appointment and Carol pulled up right next to me from that appointment with dad. And when she stepped out, I could see it on her face. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, dad has terminal cancer. And all I can tell you is it felt like, this is the truth, it felt like somebody had kicked me in the gut. And I doubled over my car um, out there in the parking lot, and I just, it was just like the worst news I could possibly hear. And, um, and so I had an appointment, uh, an after-lunch appointment up, waiting for me up in the office, and I had a back way where I could get into my office without going through the waiting area. And I, I'd gone in, and I just said, tell them, tell them I'm going to be about 15 minutes. I just, I just, I have to get, I have to just get myself together a little bit. And any of you have ever heard news like that or have gone through something difficult, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, um, and I have a, I have a, a playlist on my computer and on my phone that's just, I call it my prayer playlist, and it's just a list of worship songs. And I couldn't even sing them. I just turned it on and just sat there and listened. This is a true story. It didn't even take about six or seven minutes before the dynamic of worship happened in my life. And here's what worship does. You come in with your world and your problems and all your issues as big as ever. And your God is just kind of really not at the right place. He's much smaller than he should be. And what worship does is this inversion. And the problems get smaller while the God gets bigger. And all of a sudden, the whole thing begins to shift as you worship God. Y'all know what I'm talking about, everybody? Chris Hodges, what a great message. Great talk. Great reminder for all of us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Hearing a guy uh, be very transparent about those obstacles and how he's overcoming them, I mean, can't help but be encouraged. You yeah. Know? And and Chris is one of those guys, too, that many of the up-and-comers, the, you know, the church planters, the, the folks who are going to be leading for the next 30 or 40 years, I mean, they really are showing up at the door of Church of the Highlands and at his office door saying, hey, Chris, help. And Grow Conference, that's something they do that is basically sort of how we do Church of the Highlands. And that's become, for many leaders, the go-to as it relates to systems. Yeah. You know, like really understanding how to create a systematic approach to building a church. Chris is, you know, he's, he's sort of this wizard at operational excellence. And, you know, he's a great communicator. He's a fabulous pastor and preacher, but he's equally as good at leading and being an organizational point leader. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't know about him is he's been very involved in building the system at Church of the Highlands. And he's, you know, from the beginning, that's just where he's leaned and he's really good at it. So if, if you're out there and you're looking for even some help on, hey, how do we take things to the next level here? How do we develop some systems that are going to fuel us for the long-term journey? You know, check out what they're doing because it really is helpful. 
Yeah, that's a great resource. And since we're talking about resources, come on, thriveconference.org, ton of free content there, audio clips, video, and then there's Thrive 365. Mm-hmm. If you Does wanted- that mean there's 365 talks that I can listen to? Sure. Or videos or Pretty close to or it. resources. Yeah, there's quite a few there. Yeah. There's quite a few, but there's enough resources and enough content there, regardless of what you're going through as a leader. I'd put money on the fact that you can find some good content there to help you out. So Thrive, Thrive 365, your daily drip of leadership mm. injections. You're like a, a guy who just oozes cool, pithy marketing. I feel like I, I would want to work things. at one of those companies that do jingles. Really? I don't know which company does jingles, but I want to be you a jingle to, creator. We have to resurrect then the jingle. Because the jingle, you know, it's, it's... I love the jingle. You do? Oh, I'm a what's your big favorite, fan. What's your favorite jingle? Uh, I mean, there's so many out there. If you think of any great brand, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's there's been some fabulous... The, the one that immediately comes up is Snap into a Slim Jim. That's mm. not really a jingle. That's more of a phrase. Like a, yeah. Cereals, a lot of cereals have good jingles. Yeah, a lot of uh, candy bars have good jingles. Almond Joy's got nuts, mounds don't. <laughs> give me a break, give me a break, oh break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. bar. I mean, it. it give me a break. You can think of almost any man. great brand, and they've there's a jingle that's been tied to You're it. You're winning me over, man. I'm getting all that. That's another podcast. We'll, feels. We'll jump into jingles on okay. another podcast we'll because the, it might even be a special Christmas edition. You're right. Because we can sing jingle bells and you know go in that direction. That's good. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of things coming out of Church of the Highlands. Going back to Chris Hodges, <laughs> that is is really is really good, and they are one of the the uh, most influential churches in the world now. So it was really exciting to have Chris here with us. And for him to be a part of Thrive Conference, and hopefully he'll be back. We hope so. I think I'm hearing he he may be. So subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on all these right. incredible updates. Rate and review the shows. That helps us, and it helps the podcast just get in the hands and ears of those Where who can everybody follow us? Is there like a social media outlet, CJ, that we need to be tapped into here? Thrive Conference uh, is a great place to, to find us. But if you're looking for the podcast, it's where any podcast and all podcasts can be found. So iTunes, Stitcher. What if I want to follow what if I want to follow Thrive on the old social media platform? Thrive Conference. Just at Thrive Conference. Yep. Instagram. Instagram, Facebook, Thrive Twitter. Conference. What about MySpace? Where are we on MySpace? Our strategy for MySpace? <laughs> yeah. We got a whole new bold strategy. Okay, good. We, we want to up our game there. Yeah, and, and CJ, uh, you can find him at uh, cjspeaks at juno.net. Right. Or uh, blueocean.biz. That's so right. hit, him, hit him up on that email address. CJ Alvarado, uh, 2012 <laughs> at geocities.com. Uh, geocities, that's fabulous. That's a good one. Well, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. And we really do believe that healthy leaders create thriving churches and that churches who are thriving are full of healthy leaders. That's what we want for you. So hopefully this is helpful on your journey. Until next time, this is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. The Thrive Leadership Podcast is hosted by CJ Alvarado and Brad Lominick and is produced by Kip Johns. To download and share this and other Thrive podcasts, go to thriveconference.org.